movie podcast for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. <laughs> Good sell. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick. To discuss, also known as, yeah, I'll save it, uh, to discuss The Desolation of Smog with you, there will be no spoilers for a moment. Let me introduce everyone else. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Mulkrinsky. Uh, I am known only as a servant of evil, one of a number. And with our Desolation of Smog tagline, looking forward to this, Kelly Wand. Long leg, short labor. Hmm. All right. Wait, I had a backup. Oh, yes. What would your backup tagline be for people who weren't present at the in-joke that was just made? (laughs) I prefer Peter Jackson's earlier, funnier ones. (laughs) And number three. Um, here comes the dragon. So here's what we're going to try to do for this podcast. For this podcast, oh, I like that, Kelly Wand. That was a good one. I did some, I that, one. that was you, awesome. And you snuck it right by him. Gandalf said that. Yeah, you saw Which me. was weird because he didn't see the dragon. Yeah, he was just a little looking the wrong way. So what I'm going to try to not do on this podcast is for an hour say over and over again, I told you so. Hmm. That's going to be my task on this podcast. That sounds interesting to listen to. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that bears out. But uh, get it, Bjorn joke. That Dingus, why don't you not spoil anything in Hobbit: Desolation of Smog? But just tell folks just a little bit about it, just some of the basics that they might see, for instance, on the movie poster or on the page at moviephone.com when they buy their tickets or whatever. Just give us a little bit of information, Dingus. All right, so they don't uh, mistake with the movie we saw last year. Uh, this week we saw The Hobbit: colon, The Desolation of Smog. An Ugh. epic adventure, well, fantasy, mm. exposition, adaptation, okay. two-hour, 41-minute movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about Meanwhile. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Peter Jackson yeah. and written by him, mm-hmm. along with Fran Walsh, Phil mm. Williams, mm-hmm. and Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> based on a novel called The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. It's really more of a long, short story. I don't know about novel. Uh, Children's novel. Yeah, it's certainly know the body. It's shorter than the movie. (laughs) Uh, It stars Aiden Werner, Evangeline Lilly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ew! Come on. And Lee Pace. Which one was that? The dad? Dad, or the, uh, Gimli's the dad? You mean is that the dad? He's talking about the. the he's yes. talking about Bard. Oh, I thought his name was Bard. Oh yeah, yeah, he was the dad, right? right Barge. Right. Did you say his name was Barge? Yeah, that's his. That Kelly was... one, that's his profession. You're oh, wait. Why? How does he? It seems like an unrelated one to his other thing. Dingus, what rating was this movie? Can children see it? <laughs> Bard was Luke Evans, by the way. 
Ah, hmm. He, he played Shaw in a movie we may talk about later. The poor man's Lucas Black. Yeah. Uh, he was the bad guy in Fast and Furious 6. Black speech. Anyway, uh, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, uh, is rated PG-13. <laughs> for, ex- for extended sequences of intense fantasy action violence. I was extended. Yeah. yeah, that I believe. It's the Viagra of CG. And frightening <laughs> images. Yeah, oh, right, those. Yeah. Okay. Wait, that's why it's only PG-13, or it's all the way up to PG-13? It's all the way up to PG, because there were, like, some intense things, but the frightening images really take it over the top. But those aren't extended and frightening. The frightening's brief. No, and there's no thematic element, so they didn't have to put that in. Awesome. I didn't notice any. All right, let's see. Hobbit Desolation of Smog came in, number, came in at number one. It made 73 million, 73.6 million. Let's call it 74 million. Mm. That's it's 74 that million. No, it's not that much. Not, not as much as the last one. I think folks, most folks. Knew, <laughs> yeah, most folks knew better, <laughs> Kelly Wand. Yeah. Uh, I had to beg and piss and moan to get this nightmarish booby prize out of you. Interesting that you're calling it nightmarish in a booby prize. Kelly Wand, does that mean you didn't like it? <laughs> it's like the Ring of Power. But the pre- Kevin, let's see what other critics thought first. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's check in with them. He I likes, appreciate that. I find that he likes boobies and prizes. If we go to Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, is sitting pretty at 74% positive. That's sitting pretty. I'd say. What's sitting normally? Like plainly. Um, sitting plainly would probably be like a 63% positive. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if we look at Metacritic, though, which is the average from various reviews, if you were to sort of normalize the reviews on a scale from 1 to 100. Uh, on Metacritic, The Hobbit Desolation of Smog is at 66. Really? Normalize is a word? It is now. Wait, Kelly so Wand loves pretting plainly, though. Three points over. Barely hanging on to hanging pretty. Go figure. <laughs> hanging pretty. That's good. Uh, that reminds me of those posters of kittens hanging from branches, where it says, like, hang in there till Friday. <laughs> Kelly Wand, let's now... That's the message of the movie. Let's spoil. It is, because there is, like... like Hang in there. Eagles are coming. <laughs> there's not as much hanging from branches as there was in the last movie, but there's right. some of that sort of thing. They've already... They're not... Well, Peter Jackson's not going to just, like, run shit into the ground, dude. He's going to show you new things you've never seen before. He's going to make you that? smack into branches all the way down first. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of the gray. Remember when we saw the gray about this time? Ugh, really? Mm. That had one so nice. Yeah, man. No, the gray. It's very hit. similar. So Kelly Wan, what can you do to salvage the experience that I had of sitting through two hours and forty-one minutes of another Hobbit movie yesterday? What can you do to make it up to me, Kelly Wan? Because you're the well, one who made me see this. Yes. I came up. I drove an hour and a half to. Sit right, we did get to hang out. We rarely all three get to see a movie at the same time together. We got to have dinner beforehand. We got to sit down and watch the movie. Uh, we and could. I- we could interact somewhat. Kelly Wan was, was elbowing both of us at significant yeah. moments. There was a lot of interactivity. Dingus almost got in trouble, by the way, for talking. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, there was, uh, you know, we, I enjoyed getting to hang out with you guys, but I, I you know, I could have spent this time playing like games with you guys. Just- I got that sense, too. I got the sense you were thinking the entire night, why am I fucking doing this? I could be doing playing games with them or nothing. Like, nothing would be better than this. Could be reading a book. Because it wasn't enough. Well, wait, Kelly Wan, does that mean that you think I didn't like the movie? 
I think you were determined not to like the movie, and you may have corrupted us. With oh, ring. so basically I'm kind of a star. Like, I'm the ring. You're the ring. Yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> You're the return of the vagina. I still think that Tom is going to say that he liked it. I think he's going to spring it on us. No. Well, I would just like Kelly Wan to sort of add a little okay. funny to what I had to sit through. Kelly Wan, is there any way you could do that? <laughs> I laughed during the movie, you liar. <laughs> when did I laugh during the movie? It's a- it's a comedy. Come on. There's not a one. There's not a single thing that I laughed at. <laughs> he laughed at the statue. <laughs> Wait, which one? The it's, nose. It's in the yeah. The, it was the, gold the gold one or the or yeah. the nose in the background of Tom the nose. Just took a shot of it, and the music stops, and the whole theater was hushed and silent and reverential. And Tom goes. <laughs> <laughs> there were times that you know what you're right, Kelly. There were definitely times we were laughing. There were times that I was laughing because I saw Dingus laughing. Uh, <laughs> I'd never. How dare you? The guy next to you was loving it and laughing. Oh, he was he was a huge fan. You were the guy next to him. Oh. Well, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was like I turned around and I saw my other Bilbo me behind me in the woods. Well, Kelly Wan. <laughs> and it was Tom. That might have been the best part of the We're watching this movie in a circle. <laughs> Circumference. Tom prefers the word. Well, Kelly Wan, what would you call if you were to give us just a book? That's how talk down. the rest of my life is comma and then the beginning of the sentence. Okay, what? Why don't you break down the events of the movie for folks maybe who haven't seen it and who don't want to see it, who are smart enough to know better than to see it? Just go ahead and spoil it for them so they don't have to see it by giving them a synopsis of the plot. Isn't this more for people who actually saw it and want it spoiled? I don't think there's anything you can do for people who actually saw it. They're just beyond at this point. They've. It's a, it, you know, they've already suffered through it. There's no way you can make it up for them. What are you going to do? This those people are, it's, these people are lost. Mm. Just like in the woods. Just like Evangeline. Which just like true. us. Just like the three of us. We Why lost those two hours and 41 minutes. So, so Kelly Wand... They wanted to be found, the movie. <laughs> so I want you to do something for people who haven't seen it yet and keep them from seeing it by instead just telling them the movie right now. Uh, well, so instead of showing them, tell. Yeah. That old Hollywood dictum. Yeah. As it's called. What was that, Diggis? I'm sorry. I, I was just wondering that. what you might call that. Oh, Tom has to guess. That's the fun part. The desolation of two hours and 41 minutes. Yes. Enjoyable, man, but incorrect. <laughs> the actual title uh-huh. of what I prepared for this evening yes. is called The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smalpsis. Mm, interesting. At least you're pronouncing smog somewhat correctly, as you see. Yeah, I went into the movie thinking it was called he's called smog, but then everyone kept saying smog in the movie, and it was kind of like when Princess Leia's name changed to Leia, and I was just like asked to like go with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smalpsis. Oh God! Oh God! This couldn't have come soon enough. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. Rock and roll, Kelly Wand. I want you. <sighs> I just can't even oh, do what you can, Kelly Wan. Save me from ever having to think about this thing again. Go. Sixteen months before the Shire dishwashing incident of the Third Age in Gandalf's favorite bar. Hey, look, assassin number two, it's that dwarf king that Sauron's orc pals pay and bar patrons top dollar to decapitate. Oh, shit, he sent exposition to an old man. Let's get out of here. Is that it? Um, <laughs> the end. Um, Thorin, tis I, Gandalf. Why are we meeting secretly in public? Never mind. Behold the scrap of paper woven oh, from it. Well, what, what, what ethnicity is, is, is Gandalf here? I can't quite... It's put my it. I see, okay. Because <laughs> uh, the Shire's uh, nowhere near this part of the story. Are we clear? Good. Yes, good, I got it. Never mind, Tom. Behold this scrap of paper woven from and inscribed with the black ink. 
I think you may find all the characters talk like this. So just kind of like, oh dear, okay. yeah. oh dear, oh dear. What they all talk like that in the movie? You liked it then <laughs> as much. <clears throat> Tis an offer for your head, dead or alive. I fear we must hire a purse snatcher post haste. Perhaps even in the next eighteen months or longer. I highly recommend we get a hobbit. Their lives spent smoking weed and throwing parties makes them crafty and well suited to criminality. Not to mention compelling for. <laughs> <laughs> Protagonists. Fuck you, wizard. May regal pride be our winning. Wow, what a madcap twist of fate it was, letting that old man I've never seen before make me the personal slave of this indistinguishable pack of roving circus mutants. We've been captured by trolls, captured by Rivendell, captured by goblins, and looked at by wargs without suffering a single casualty. I sure hope we don't get captured by spiders, elves, fishermen, and a dragon without any casualties. <sighs> Hang on, I think I'm going to yawn. Behold! is the random friend of mine with wood powers who is not Bombadilla Radijast. <laughs> York. He can turn into a bear and viciously smash his head into the door for an hour as if he wishes to maul and consume us. But fear not, this is merely Navajo bear speak for make yourselves at home. I do scroll out, I'm sorry. Alex is right. <clears throat> Dwarf Prince, please enjoy him this meal of candles and CG's wax. I believe you shall find it more substantial than anything I have to say. Wizard, you shall barely be in this movie. My dreams always lie. <clears throat> I'm Bilbo now, Tom. Not that, but I'll say. Wow, taking acid with a bunch of dwarves in an MC Usher forest of giant spiders is just how Tolkien was describing it to C.S. Lewis in that picture of him in the brown coat with that pipe from the back covers of all the books. Hey, check it out. When I put on a ring of invisibility, I can hear giant spiders talking English. Hooray for necromantic blacksmithery. The sword you just killed me with is called Sting in Giant Arachnides. Just F Y O. Hmm, Sting, huh? I think I'll just call you the same thing the spiders call you. Less hassle. Save Larry for the mithril codpiece. If there's one thing my homeland's crawling with even more than spiders, it's troves of super weapons. I'm pretty awesome, huh, Gandalf? Gandalf? Ah, I fucking bailed again. Good, he was giving me weird looks anyway every time I turned visible. Radagast, I have no time to explain why didn't the eagles carry us to Lonely Mountain. I fear that the necromancer is not what he seems. Oh, you mean he's not, Sauron? <clears throat> Tom, this is the Elf King. Okay, good. This is my what? favorite part, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome, unpleasant ones. I am Flim Flammabore, king and queen of the Barrel Elves. <laughs> All our woods and groves are sacred, unless hewn for the construction of barrels to fill with wine to sell the fisher folk revolutionaries who live south of our log ride. <laughs> uh, it was a really good movie. I'll give it that. Maybe why, maybe like I don't know. It didn't feel real. Did you dwarves welcome, and hereby all. Free passage through our lands, along with these complimentary crackers of unicorn feces and briar cheese. Fuck you, elf. We imprison us till we rot. As you wish. Ah, my only female stable drudge, Evangeline Lily, enjoying whoring it up with our hairy guests. <laughs> I don't know. The non-CG smashed head Keanu one's kind of cute. <laughs> I mean, it can't all be proportionate. How would they even reproduce? Uh, sicken me, daughter of the honeysuckle. 
I'm only part animal. Of course, I gleefully smother any offspring. Ah, you do my hearts well, Slattern. Yet you wish to also have sex with my son slash daughter Legolas. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> right from the movie, Dennis. I don't know why. Transcription. That's what I was laughing at at the time. No year I end, the heir to the throne of Beryl shall ne'er wed a mere archer. Ah, your name's Legolas. <laughs> Legolas's eyes roll. <laughs> Come on, Tom, that was funny too. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, guys, I pulled the switch to summon some orcs to shoot at the barrels. Hop on in. <laughs> also, if shit goes south, just use Gungan Clouseau tactics and trip over shit to bumble our way to quote victory, okay? <laughs> but con Dios, last movie we washed the dishes and this one we are the dishes that's for the trailer all right bodgeman what should be doing bringing fish in barrels to feed the townspeople come on you know the rules overboard with all of it no logical reason whatsoever here we go perhaps you'll be the one to explain what's happening in this scene to the audience Oh, everything I just said. Not to mention all those beards sticking out of the barrels. Here's some gold for me humiliation, Gupta. Damn that bargeman with the minstrel's name. Him and his popular barge-steering technique have brought the fisher folk to the brink of open rebellion. I knew no good could come of buying wine barrels of fish from a man with a laser cane. Master, are you and I seriously the whole reason for a third movie? That was those same guys before. Legolas, Glockenspiel, Wittership, see Alba Breath, a la carte. That means let's talk in English for no reason. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Nor I. To the city, then. I've had visions of a toilet puking midgets. So, his hairy little hands. I had visions of those. Flippity gibbet to Neil Shaw's bottom biblioteca. Legolas, you heard me. <laughs> Yay, we made it. Fuck, I thought those Lake Town seeds never end. Uh, where's the door? <laughs> no door? Damn it! I knew this stupid map was useless. Should have kicked this fucker in the rear, that stupid hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, look, that woodpecker just subjected itself to blunt force trauma as the moonbeam CG majestically revealed this huge-ass keyhole just ten yards away from it. Hmm, probably would have seen it without the woodpecker. Never mind that, <laughs> uh, bro. <laughs> Now you go in there and get our heirloom while we wait outside, jerking off into our beards with all these weapons we hassled that raft operator to coughing up. Looking for something called the Arkenstone. Good luck. Also, if the dragon wakes up, then alive. We're behind you 10%. Seriously this time. Good luck. Ugh, this Arkenstone's heavy. That's my scrotum burglar. Wow, Benedict Cumberbatch, your voice sounds so processed. It could be anybody's, but I can definitely tell from the color of your scales. Now, just like in Star Trek, you talk a lot of shit, but you never kill anybody, that it's definitely you. Hey, should we go in and see if the burglar's dead? Maybe the dragon didn't eat all of him. I'm starving. Ha, afraid, are you? That's why I'm king under the mountain. Or in this case, on the mountainside. And I'm not about to risk standing around out here to be in there, picking over the corpse of that little coward follower from Fucktown. His name our new guards at Lake Town. Let's check that bedroom window. Maybe those 13 dwarves we're obsessed with are all inside. I mean, da! Orcs coming through the bedroom window. Get still there. No. 
Legolas, you batted that orc into the wall with such elegance. Keely, rest your uninjured head on this bed of walnuts. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait till next next year's Christmas pillow is the bed of walnuts pillow. Fish are softer than walnuts, aren't they? Well, I heard good things about elfin hand jobs before, but off screen, Jesus first. Remember that? They just showed her face. And she's at a zipper. Anyway. Uh, I think we give him the slip. That was our plan, right? In crossing a continent on foot to get here, wasn't it? Running away? Ah, the black arrow that I keep in my dining room. How I cherish it as a reminder of more interesting times, shaft color-wise. And how glad I am that I did not bestow it on those misshapen cretins I persuaded to live in my toilet for political reasons. And how stupid they were not to notice the arrow when they were whining about their weapons. And now how courageously I shall take it down from my wall and shall fire it from the steeple of the Crossbow Museum as a deus ex machina at the end of the next film, one year hence. Yeah, we did it. We made a gold statue of somebody that turned into a CG ocean and pissed off the dragon enough to fly away into an acoustic musical rage. What an ending. Uh... Guys, receipts are in Warner Brothers just Greenland, a 46-part series about our misadventures in Barge's toilet. Guess it's just like Galadriel prattled. Awesome shit comes in lame packages. Martin, don't like that. You're still covered in Bard's... It's the end of that. Until next year. (laughs) See? It's like a cliffhanger. Are we the Empire Strikes Back of the Hobbit movies, isn't it, Kelly? We have to see how it ends, because the next one's like, there's nothing that can happen in it, so it'll be, he'll have to be inventive. So, Kelly, are you glad that we saw this? Mm, it was good to see you. Right, but that's not the question. This is Lady Friend. That, Kelly, answer the question. Um, I laughed a few times. <laughs> All right. I thought the barrel stuff was kind of funny. Huh, interesting. Still not answering the question. Go ahead. Well, you mean the whole movie, or like, are you... Saying, do I wish I'd done something else, or, or is it my favorite of the two Hobbit movies that exist? Maybe I don't know. That's oh, interesting. Okay, um, so better than the last movie. Uh, we, so also, I should point out, we all hated the last movie. I, I think, right. it, yeah. I think uh, everyone did. Okay, but this is getting props for like being. Oh, there's fewer dishwashers than this. Uh, from from you? Well, I'm just going to spend the. <laughs> But I'm saying you would you would definitely say, hey, this was better than the first Hobbit movie. I'm glad I heard. Uh, uh, well, better is such a free term. I mean, we can't just assign a percentile piece of art, Tom. Come on, that's not what we're about. <laughs> it's more scientific than that. Okay, more scientific than math. So do some science. How did how did you feel about this this latest Hobbit movie that you made us all sit sat in comfortable seats? We'd had a nice full dinner. Mm-hmm. So did I enjoy myself more than if I'd watched Citizen Kane? Like, as I was being, having my leg cut off. <laughs> and I haven't eaten in three days. Right. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> Fair enough. It depends entirely on the sharpness of the hatchet and... Sure, sure. Like, did it rain the second right. day? Yeah, all that stuff about well, it is better than a sharp stick in the eye. That just doesn't that doesn't take into account all the possible contingencies that could apply in that situation. You're right. That's a good sharp point. stick in the eye is exciting. <clears throat> yeah, but what if an elf is having orgasm next to you while you're getting your leg amputated? Poking Tom is not all I was hoping for on that front. But what was the question? 
So it sounds, Kelly Wan, like you're a bit lukewarm on The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. Uh, well, I mean, I go, oh, the spiders and the dragon, like, how much can that suck? Right. What's the answer to that, by the way? Well, I mean, when they say it's better than the last one, are they just saying, oh, it's better than the one where they wash dishes for three hours? Right. Or are they saying, the CG is better than Avatar? It's, I mean, gravity is shorter? I think I made my point. I see. Okay. So, you know, I, these are all quotes you can use on the box. Uh, Dingus, were you glad you saw The Hobbit Desolation of Smaug? Actually, uh, so I, what, real quick, uh, before you answer that, what, it, are you not supposed to just say smog? Were they not say, I don't even remember. Is there a way that we're supposed to, are we supposed to say smog? Is it, is it like a Mordor thing? Or what, what, how are we supposed to say the dragon's name, by the way? Does anyone know? Or we don't Doesn't remember. somebody make a slog joke in this movie? <clears throat> I thought he was a fireworm, like a salamander. But does, uh, okay, so. Seriously, doesn't, doesn't somebody make a joke about his name and say slog? Do not remember that in the right. movie or afterwards. Uh, in the in the movie, doesn't one of the dwarves like mess around with his name and call him? Smog? I was listening during the movie. I think right, well, it, I thought it was Smaug, but who cares? Okay, so so Dingus, how did you feel about uh, seeing the Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug or Smog, whatever? It's it in the title. We should know. You'd think. You would think, right? We're we're not we're not uh, quite the Tolkien nerds that we should be. I feel. But it's not Hobbit. We do know that much, correct? What was Dingus going to say? And I, I don't know. Who knows? Who can say? Um, I think uh, it's. Uh, I think it's wa- like watching a total waste of time soap opera. And I hated the first one, and I think the first one is yards better than this one. Ouch! Ooh. Oh, ouch! Ooh. Ah, wow! Oh. Uh, see, now we can fight about something. Well, wait. Am I? What am I defending? Evangeline Lily's cute. Are there even any I, girls in the first one? Tom? Uh, were there any girls in the first I don't know. I couldn't even tell you about the first one. I remember so little. She's of it. Canadian, so oh. she looks like an elf. So that those first? things go hand in hand, yeah. yeah. But notice she's not with uh, Charlie, the, Mary, the other Lost alum. Oh, that's right, yeah. We've had a lot of people from Lost in Lord of the Rings uh, licensed movies. That's right. And now, well, by a lot, I mean two, I guess. That's as many as there are Hobbit movies, and that's as many as there are Lost alumni. Very good. In Hobbit movies. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. We got Legolas. I don't think Legolas appears in the actual book, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of fan service here. We learned a lot about him. Peter Jackson had to do new stuff because how else are you going to make a short little children's novel like this? Three movies, each basically three hours long. What else are you going to do? Add Lake Town politics. Lake Town politics, a little fan service about Legolas. Surfing. Uh, I'm guessing that what's her name? Tarin, Taurine, whatever her Toriel. name. Is. Toriel. I'm guessing that's not from the Hobbit book, so he adds in some of that. Um, mm. They're always elf chicks too. So extra stuff like Orlando. Well, Carwin could have been in this. What? See <laughs> uh, how yeah, Orlando Bloom's character is different in this. He's kind of feisty. And she'll okay. they die, and that's why she didn't go on the Fellowship Quest. That's why see, prequels are lame. But um, we learned that Legolas is... Um, Straight? A, no, we didn't learn that. But we learned that a barrel chieftain's his fate like before the Fellowship. Like he's going to rule... He's like a barrel elf, because he lives there, right? Uh, sure, apparently he is from Markwood. I... I think that might be canon, by the way. 
But he's not, he wasn't canonically with that same tribe. Is it a tribe or clan? Uh, I believe they it's are race. enclaves. But she can... Townships. They're townships. The elves live in townships. <laughs> hmm. But that cliffhanger with Gandalf, what's going to happen? Wait, he's he's going to know then that Sauron's alive. So then wouldn't he not wait 50 years? Peter Jackson will make it all work out. Gandalf will get amnesia. Um, then he will uh, forget about the ring. He, I guess he never knew about the ring, so that's what <clears> he <throat> Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, you knew about it at the birthday party. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Do you have an opinion, Tom? Uh, not really. I just <laughs> I have. I would have rather uh, done pretty much anything than sat through this thing last night. I was poking. So you don't have an opinion about which one is better, or you? Just... No, no. I think they're I mean, equally awful. I, I think that... they're equally inept. I think they both rely too much on CG. They both have no concept of how to keep the story moving. Uh, it's it's kind of like the way I feel about the the Lord of the Rings movies, where some people will say things like. Well, Two Towers wasn't good, but I liked Return of the King, and Fellowship was the weakest. Like, for me, they're all of a piece. Uh, I think of them all – I don't even think of them as three different movies because I came to appreciate them by sort of sitting through all of them one long weekend. Uh, So I kind of feel the same way about this, even though I've seen them a year apart. They're just I, – I, I mean – You didn't really, like the Lord of the Rings movies. Would I rather take a sharp stick in the eye or run a cheese grater up and down my leg, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, no this one's cheese grater. Well, let me let, let me ask you this because I remember I remember seeing Fellowship with you and you being so frustrated afterward um, because you, because the you, the rules of that particular universe didn't make any sense. Why are the Nazgul stopping at the water at the at the ferry and why are they you know riding across the river at Rivendell? What's going? What the hell is going on here? Um, but then you eventually. Uh, got a real appreciation for the movies by, I think, playing certain games and listening to the music. Is that uh, right? Well, sure, yeah, yeah. Just sort of appreciating them as a whole, uh, watching the extended edition. Like, there's some cool stuff with the character character arcs they do with uh, with Aragorn, with Faramir, for instance. Some of that stuff in the extended edition I really liked. Um, and you can kind of think of Lord of the Rings as it, it's not very rules-based. Like a, a lot of times it'll suspend its rules just to show you something cool or to make something dramatic happen. And I, I kind of was okay with that, ultimately. Um, do you so, see that possibility here? I mean, do, I mean, no, can, no, you, I mean can you project forward in, in any place? Like, like, if you can imagine yourself as we sat in fellowship and complaining about that Justifiably, I think, but then falling in love with it absolutely to a certain not. extent. Absolutely not. No, this okay. is inept filmmaking. This is somebody who is contractually obligated to take a little bit of material and stretch it out into three movies spread out over three years. It's somebody making money for a studio. I, you know, I couldn't say whether or not his heart is in it, but I could say that he's doing a terrible job of it. Uh, I could say that this is, uh, you, you know, I can understand maybe fans thinking, oh, it's so cool to see, you know, Keeley realized. You know, here's one of the names from the book, and I remember his name. Oh, look at all the cool stuff he gets. Or, oh, Evangeline Lilly. I loved Lost. She's a beautiful elf. Let's see her do stuff. Um, so I could see certain people appreciating certain things, but as far as this being a well-made movie, or as far as it holding up years later, if I were to appreciate new things, absolutely not. Will never happen. Uh, this is is inept junk. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon without pacing, without meaningful characters, with 
because it's so much filler with no meaningful regard for its its source material you know there's a lot of great stuff in the hobbit and that's not here you know they're doing this stuff with the the lake town politics and the, the hobbit is this kind of charming story about these bumbling dwarves and this one guy who finds his courage to help him it's a ch- it's young adult fiction uh and this is not that at all this is trying to be some weird retconning which Tolkien, I imagine, did a little bit of his own, but not without doing violence to the story of The Hobbit. Gee, this is this weird retconning to try to br- push Sauron and that global threat of the ring back into The Hobbit. Um, so this this does even does violence to the source material. Like I feel it's not even a, a, a good realization of the source material. So no, there's no way that I'm going to come back in you know five years and think, oh, you know, I kind of do enjoy this. Uh, no, and I, I totally agree with you. I'm just wondering why the filmmaking here is so inept when I thought so much of the other filmmaking was so good. Well, it's there's nothing like, I think, and there's a lot of this, you could just go back and listen to our podcast for Unexpected Journey and hear this, but I think a lot of what's going on here is it's just Peter Jackson over-relying on CG. He's just mistaking filmmaking for that that crazy brontosaurus sled or that brontosaurus tussle from King Kong. You know, yeah. King Kong has some really good stuff in it. You know, Peter Jackson knew how to marshal CG to create sentiment and he had Andy Serkis and Naomi Watts working together and there's there's a connection there and there's some very great character driven stuff in, in King Kong. But you can also see Peter Jackson's CG excess in that ridiculous brontosaurus water slide ride thing uh and this is just him trying to do that kind of stuff and having not much else to to tell a story with um, but, but i mean even the cg is horrible and i don't understand yeah, yeah. how you make a movie that's this expensive in the middle of a franchise and the cg is so unbelievably bad it's unbelievable it's like yeah. tv bad and and all of it is tv bad uh it's it's phenomenal i mean uh, you know I just I don't understand how you make those three movies and then you embark upon these three if you're not just you know sort of phoning it in. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't think it's hard, is it? And, uh, I think that's what's missing. Because it was, but that was a long time ago, and he's been through a lot of shit since then. He's not the same dude. I think he's exhausted. At least. Creative. Well, and also just how much he had to fight for this, and how it was taken away from him and yeah, given back to. Him. I mean, there's just so much junk. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense that they suck. Because that but was Kelly, let me, why did you want us to? I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hang out and see movies, and I never, by the way, for, for the record, I never mind seeing a bad movie. I, their movie. I can sit through a movie I hate, and I hated this, but I, I'm totally okay. I sometimes seek out bad movies, so I have no problem seeing this, but I would have been more than happy to skip this. So, Kelly, why, why did you want to see this? And I don't say uh, that as in, why did you make me see this? Because I'm fine with having seen it. That's totally cool. But why, why did, were you hoping that... that no, I kind of it, maybe I'm dumb in this, but I thought the listeners would want us to see it <laughs> and hear the opposite of the Hobbit. So if it, if so it hadn't been seen good that, movies that they haven't seen, they're only playing in three theaters. So I was kind of like doing a Peter Jackson and kind of selling out. So did you it. not want to see it? Like, would you have wanted to see it otherwise? Well, I didn't know it was going to be as bad as it was, okay. and I thought it'll at least be fun. Um, I never, I never was under any misapprehension. It would be fun after seeing what he did in the last movie. I just, and even so, I will say there were times we were that I was laughing because it, it kind of the ridiculousness of it. I think there were times where I thought, okay, here they think they're being fun, and one of those moments was that ridiculous bit where the fat dwarf 
it's all one take bounces around the the <laughs> the, the river that bounces bad. into no that was horrible oh, I, think. Horrible. I think it was terrible <sighs> it was it was Kelly Wan what it was is the same inclination to have which I didn't mind when I first saw it but over the years when people have made fun of it I've kind of decided yeah that's goofy when Legolas gets on a shield and grinds down uh, some steps and is shooting his bow in the Lord of the Rings movie, when I first saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. But as people have made fun of it over, over the years, I've realized, nah, that's ridiculous. That's kind of dumb. Well, now he does it I'm again. I'm okay with that. Yes. Right, and this movie is full of – so this to me, that, that sequence where the fat dwarf bounces around on the different no, pieces of the river and then he falls into that. the barrel and he turns into a little dwarf mech or whatever, that is the same <laughs> – Silliness as Legolas grinding a shield down. Steps. I don't disagree with to that the, to, to the to the nth degree, though. So f- I don't find that I find that absurd and ridiculous and laughable, and not in the context of being fun and a cool scene. But it's at least an effort, and it's at least and like it's the not Legolas. an effort. It's, uh, I find it offensive because Legolas does the same joke here. That whole yeah. that whole river sequence is just. Horrible. There's nothing funny about it. It's just intentionally funny. I think it's funny, sad. Like, wow, they think yeah, that this is cool. Exactly. Like, I find it laughable in the same way that I find a crappy horror movie laughable. Um, See, the fat one knocks over more of them because he's he weighs more, <laughs> so it's funny and tactical. So, one of the things that I was kind of hoping for, and I'm I don't I I don't know why. Thinking back, I don't know why I would have thought this. <laughs> But I was kind so of exasperated. Hoping, well, I was kind of <laughs> hoping that there. Well, uh, have I told you about winning third place in the Arkansas State Drama High School Festival when I was a kid? Go on. Okay. <laughs> so I think when, we're at the point where you should. <laughs> when I was in high school, me and my friend Brett Aker, we were both stoners at this point. Uh, we right. were we were urged to, we were taking drama classes, and that's just when you're a kid that you know you, some kids play football, some kids are chess club, whatever. You I did memorize things. I, I took a few drama classes, and I remember my drama teacher saying, okay, there's going to be these state drama champions. I forget there's names for them. I forget what, exactly what they are. But you do a scene, and uh, you know if you get chosen, then you go to like the University of Arkansas, Searcy or whatever, where, the, the, where they have the statewide <laughs> championship. Your and, life is – And you do your scene for judges, and then certain <laughs> scenes get – Real judges? Get chosen to go to the – the finals, and then you do it again, and then there's a first, second, and third place. It's a statewide drama competition. Too bad you gave away the ending already, that which place you won. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, we, we did this in Virginia, too, so I totally know what Tom's talking about. Okay, well, what we did for this, and, and I cannot imagine me doing this, is we took the scene from The Hobbit, where The Hobbit talks to Smog, and I was Smog, and my friend Brett Aker was The Hobbit, pretending to be invisible, and we just took dialogue from the book, and I sat oh on a pile God. of chairs and it was like gold, and and it ended where I'm supposed to be breathing fire at him, and you know I had to pretend to breathe fire, and then we go scene, you know we drop our heads or whatever, um, and we came in third place. But I'm convinced it was just because it was so ballsy for these kids trying to be an invisible hobbit and a giant dragon. Um, That's a pretty good pile. They that <laughs> Actually, you telling that story was so much more interesting than the movie. Well, I see, that's it. that. That to me, in a way, it, that scene is close to me, and certainly everybody loves a cool dragon scene. And I, I remember that I was the money, and I remember invisible. <laughs> he was doing nothing. Uh, one of the few payoffs from the last movie was the interaction of Gollum and Bilbo in the cave during the riddle bit. So I, I was hoping that there would be some cool conversation. You know, they went to the trouble of hiring Benedict Cumberbatch. There would be some cool <laughs> stuff between Smog and the Hobbit. Um, so that's what I was kind of hoping for, and I don't, I. 
nothing, none of that was really great. I thought that was awful too. Um, I've read reviews that that was oh, the dragon's so good. Okay, well, so that's what. So did that work for either of you? No, I was surprised. Okay, it's like what? He's barely in it, and then the fucking ending. What? I don't want to see more of this shit. I mean, I kind of thought they would let it run its course too. But so did neither of you love like the. Love. I don't even know how to like, appreciate, uh, not dislike. Um, how about the dragon design? What well, do? what prevailed for me in that moment, and I love ah. that you brought that up, Tom, uh, was number one. Uh, there's there's three different things that I felt about that what you're describing and what could have been because the the thing that you're describing you've never told me that story before that idea of you like on a stack of chairs acting like a dragon and and Bilbo pretending to be invisible i love that uh because th- there's three things that that ruined this scene for me in this movie that could have it and it could have been so much simpler and more beautiful number 1 the revelation of the treasure and the gold it just looks like piles of brown uh and i don't have any sense at all of of what the hell is going on as far as the space is concerned uh, number two i don't know where the light is coming from what is the light source for this scene uh and this feeds into number three and this might be this this might be from i had this book and i think i still have it somewhere around here um of 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 the maybe it's the Bakshi uh, Hobbit uh, that has the illustrations of it, and there's this wonderful illustri- illustration, and it might just be something within my imagination, but it's this illustration of of Bilbo and Smog talking. It's the first time they meet, and and Smog has opened his eye, and a beam of light has shot out from his eye to illuminate wherever Bilbo might be. The, otherwise, it's utterly dark in here, and then. Slowly, we get the revelation of what this amazing trove of treasure looks like. Um, but there's no sense whatsoever of containment. It's all slapstick, a hobbit running down this avalanche hill of gold and sliding and slipping. And why is Smog letting him do that? There's there's no sense. So, so what you describe, Tom, as the scene on a stage of this character and that character talking is so much more dramatic than anything that happens because that that's scene. what the riddle scene is like from the last yeah. movie to their credit they kind of knew that about the riddle scene right yeah um and that's and it was so frustrating for me to have to sit through that and go why why are they in the scene and and why hasn't smug just stepped on him why is he right. bothering yeah. what, what is the cat and mouse what what is the what is the dynamic with the characters what's going on yeah and as i think i've said before i don't think you, you cannot make a good dragon scene Without somehow cheating, there's so few and far between because a dragon will just step on someone. You know, a dragon scene should never last more than 30 seconds. Right, it's a 30 second scenario. Exactly, it's like a shark attack scene. It's 30 second scenario. The dragon wakes up, it sees a person, it kills the person. That's it. Scene over. So this dragon had no sense of danger to it. It became this just stupid like video game puzzle thing with all of those those levers that they're pulling and the melted gold and those cars and the dragon just having no idea. Like you said, being has no sense of space. What's this about? Oh, we've got to go this way or we're dead. Oh, we're at a dead end. We've got to now go this and, and they've got to light the forges and all of that. Just, and by the a bunch of dead bodies here that aren't and, burned. And, and heat can't go around corners, you know, only right, right. Yeah, straight exactly. ahead. Uh, 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 and I don't remember the scene. Maybe you do 
more than I do since you did the scene, Tom, but the, this idea of, of Bilbo flattering him and right. eating him along. I mean, there's, there's actual sort of, there's an actual give and take there. Yeah, because that goes nowhere. The dragon knows the whole yeah. time what, when, so why doesn't the dragon kill him? Knows the whole time what's going on. He knows about the Arkenstone. Why doesn't the dragon even pay attention to where the stupid Arkenstone is? <laughs> no. Why is it so freaking random that the Arkenstone's just bouncing around? Uh, good lord. And then when he says, Oh, you care about Lake Town. You can watch You're right. die. <laughs> All right. That's not from the book. So that's like, it's like, oh, you have a twin sister. Yeah. And it's like, that's right. I can turn her too. But see, okay, Tom, it, the T-Rexes and King Kong, I remember thinking that was kind of a good fight. Like, yeah. Well, because there's a lot of physics involved. I go, oh, it'll be like that. The best dragon fight, Kelly Wan, is the T-Rex attack in Jurassic Park. Which one? In the original Jurassic Park, the fact no, the, against the car or yeah, yeah, with the kids in the car, oh, the sense of peril, like that's what a dragon fight should be like. Where and, and the lawyer gets immediately killed, uh, you know that's that's a good dragon fight. But that's not even a dragon because he that can't breathe fire. So correct, you have a good point. What you're saying is basically true that like you have to cheat, but there, there was such a lame effort at cheating. Uh, train Jesus. your dragon. Wait, how to train your dragon has a good dragon fight uh, <laughs> against, the, against the big dragon at the finale. Does Dragon Slayer hold up? I haven't seen that. That's what I'm curious about. I kind of think maybe not, but I don't know. But they would give thought to it, and the fact that it's not they couldn't have used as much CG, then maybe it makes more sense spatially. Dingus, get on that. Watch that with it's Peter McNichol, yeah. right? Can you take Peter McNichol seriously as a dragon slayer? Is the old man in it? Richard no, Harris. Ralph Richard Harris. Ralph Richardson, how dare you? Ralph Richard Harris. <laughs> that's um, good. But that's I, what I was thinking. I go, oh, how can you, how's he going to, Peter Jackson going to not cheat the dragon scene? Yeah, and he cheated it. So now, now. I briefly, again, the, maybe one thing where, and maybe it's just because I was just so put out with this stupid movie at this point. I loved the idea that they make a statue and that it briefly dazzles the dragon. That he's like, ooh, look at that. <laughs> like that. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but it's kind of like he stopped and was a little mesmerized. Yeah. He wouldn't have done that himself. Uh, he didn't know how to do it. He doesn't have. They a- needed him to start the forge when the fires all go on. They're right. Like, he doesn't have opposable thumbs to do the levers, Kelly Wand. That's the dumbest fight ever in movie history. Uh, here's another thing that really bugged me. Man, I'm a huge Luke Evans fan, and not because of uh, Luke Evans' fan, and not because of any of those Greek god movies, not because of Fast Six. Um, there's a really awesome horror movie called No One Lives. It's by a Japanese director who did a movie called Versus back in 2000. Um, you cannot watch the horror movie No One Lives and not come away from it thinking... Oh, Luke Evans is so awesome. <laughs> That's your default voice, too. That is, especially every yeah. male you see. <laughs> but not him here. Oh. Here he's so, I mean, that's what they're going to do with Luke Evans. I guess he's going to save the day at the next movie. He's what? Aragorn, because Aragorn didn't want to be in this. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Because he's like, wait, it's 50 years earlier, and the story would be stupid. So Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> wait, did they really try to cast Viggo yeah. Mortensen in this? And he said no, because he's all, that would make sense for the story. <laughs> So it's he's like the one with any creative integrity, right? He's like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> oh, Legolas will do it, sure. <laughs> hey, Ian McKellen. Well, well Legolas, which, yeah, they need it. It's that makeup or CG that makes him look like he's Legolas with butter on his face. I mean, <laughs> what's going on? On, <laughs> he's younger and he's possessed by Walking Dead and the others. <sighs> it's terrible. Why are they doing that? 
Why bother? Uh, it's like the it's like the whole thing of doing con for the la- for uh, Star Trek into Darkness. But why bother? Why are you doing that? Who is going to actually get sucked into watching this because Legolas is in it? Why do? Wait, I thought you liked Into Darkness. Uh, I did, but but my main objection is why can't you come up with a, an original Wait, story right. instead of. Uh, screwing around with Khan and then hiding it from us until we go to see the movie. I don't understand the point of this having movie, Legolas in Yeah, this it. movie doesn't even have Damon Lindelof to blame. Uh, it didn't need him. It sure didn't. Boy, I'll say. Yeah. To, to Damon Lindelof's credit. I don't... Oh God. And, and I sit there going... And, and this is a problem for me. As I, I sit there going, did the barrels really come out of the wood elves when... Wait, did this happen? And then uh, the other part of my head goes, it doesn't matter. They're just going to pad the story as much as they want, so don't bother worrying about the source mater- material. I don't, uh, understand why these, I, I don't understand why these elves are acting this way. I don't understand anything that's going on, and it's just no. so – it's so much exposition, and, and the titular character spends most of the movie either looking confused or concerned. He doesn't say anything until the end. He just looks like, and there's so many just soap opera looks in this. It's well, just yeah, they're clearly trying to do a lot of stuff. Like to, to be fair, they kind maybe they appreciate that. Well, I was gonna say maybe they appreciate what an asset they have with Richard Armitage is the is Thorin because he's kind of good, but I never would have yeah. got that sense uh, from this movie. Doesn't make I, any yeah, sense. I just know from a couple scenes in the last movie, but they're just wanting to share. You're right because there's a titular character who they just have to forget about for so long by adding in all this stuff with Legolas and with Thorin and with Ian McKellen doing his background check stuff. Um, that yeah, for so long there's like no Hobbit. <laughs> there's no Hobbit in the movie. It's so much about the dwarves. Uh, yeah. And then okay. the, the one moment of action the Hobbit has early on when he stabs the spider is so poorly ha- handled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of the action, the fights are terrible. The fights are yeah. terrible in this movie. And and you have this cool like idea. Well, good. You're going to have a hot woman elf who can kick ass. But you can't bother to, to shoot it so that it looks like she's kicking ass. It's just Legolas shooting arrows from two inches away. Why does he use arrows? Yeah, I know. I love that. The use of an arrow, it's like a close quarters battle weapon, a CQB gun. <laughs> Such a waste. Just stab people already. Just carry a spear. See, Kelly Wand? What do you think of that? Tolkien... I don't think anything. <laughs> Kelly, have you beat you down? Da- have we beat you down enough to uh, regretting having seen um, Desolation of Smog yet? Uh, Evangeline Lily CG. Oh. Wait, is that a, is that an approving <laughs> sigh or is that an exasperated sigh? No, it's approving. You can't really. I, so Evangeline Lily does nothing for me. Seriously, like she really is one. In Lost, they constantly tried to make Kate this super badass. I never bought it. She does not scan at all for me as a badass warrior chick it never works so that but you're saying that's working for you right? well they cut away from her hands so so that helps i well i kind of you know i gotta tell you i, I actually She's face of healing. the one thing i like oh, i do kind of like the, yeah, I think it's, it is the uh the chemistry between killian and what's her name toriel whatever i like that a little bit see tom the thing is it can never work he's a dwarf she's an elf uh, yeah, but that that how that she, she, would, she would drown the babies, so that's fine. But I do kind of like that a little bit. I mean, I think it's something. What is that guy from? That Keeley fella? Do we know? 
He's from some TV show, I think. Oh. I just liked him. I thought he was. I thought he had a, a spark of, uh, you know, the problem. One of the problems here is whenever I'm watching these dwarves bumble around, I just keep thinking how much I liked the dwarves in uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Much better. <laughs> well, that's because they used actors and not prosthetics for those dwarves. Yeah. Ooh. Low blow. <laughs> Sorry, it's true, Kelly. You got to be that guy, Kelly. When I call it like I see it, what am I going to do? They're like human testicles. One, two, three. Not only you and me got one eighty degrees and one between. One, two, three. So wait, it's not a low blow to say they're prosthetics, but what you did—that's a low blow. But what you did is not a low blow, Kelly. One, you should be ashamed. Low blow, dwarfs. Get it? <sighs> Look, I will say one of the advantages of seeing a movie like this is after maybe about 15 or 20 minutes, I just was like, I'm, I'm not even bother taking notes. <laughs> just, there's nothing worth writing down while I sit through this thing. Is it just me or is everything a kid's movie now? I mean, I know it is anyway, but I remember Lord of the Rings, there was like a sense that people could die or something or there would be blood occasionally. I think kids deserve better. That's that's mean. It, you know, kid, Dingus, you saw Frozen. Would you rather a kid see The Hobbit Part Two or Frozen? Frozen, 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 Frozen. Frozen is great. So uh, oh, definitely Frozen. And they're both animated movies, so there's no mm-hmm. distinction between them. It's just that Frozen has better songs. It doesn't have that awful and desolation country and western song. <laughs> um, Frozen, Frozen is really good. It's no tangled, but it's really good. And you should see Frozen twice before you see this. And you would have enough time left over to then uh, read a book or watch a season of The Wire or... Uh, or which is a beast end. Or go buy popcorn and then drive home. Let's do it. Uh, I left it in my car. Oh, yeah. All right. This week's 3 by 3 uh, We... And boy, I, I loved you. This was great. Uh, what I want is uh, your favorite Paul Walker moments. So Paul Walker died a few weeks ago. We were very bummed about that. Um, and we didn't mention it on the podcast because we don't generally do tribute things but this is kind of our paul walker three by three tribute so what i'm looking for are your favorite paul walker moments um and i hope maybe this led kelly Wan to see movies he hasn't otherwise seen it made me watch a few movies uh that i had not seen so it also earned me ten dollars damn it last night we're at dinner and kelly Wan goes hey tom i bet i know a paul walker movie you haven't seen and I said, well, I think I've pretty much seen all of them. And he says, oh, you haven't seen this one. I'll give you $10 if you've seen this one. And I said, well, if you're thinking of Tammy and the T-Rex, I have seen it. And Kelly Wan was out 10 bucks because it's exactly what you were thinking of. Well, for the pledge drive, just take it out of that. <laughs> uh, why, did, why did you know about Tammy and the T-Rex? Oh, I saw it as a Denise Richards movie at the time. Mm-hmm. But he's really good in it. Well, he's not in it that much, is he? I mean, he does a lot of voice acting. I pretended it was him. <laughs> uh, the plot. Tammy and the T-Rex. Kelly Wan, I, could you give us a brief synopsis? No, because it's one of my choices. Oh, well, you know what? Then let's shut up. down to this and start with it. So, Dingus, just, it's, I got my $10. <laughs> Dingus, you're, you're introducing next <laughs> week's three by three. So why don't you start us off by giving us your number three Paul Walker moment? All right. Uh, so my number three has this quote in it. What question's more legit than that? Legit. Damn it. Uh, and what movie is it from? Legit than that. All right, so it's from the movie Joyride. Um, this is a Paul Walker movie directed oh, by John Dahl. Damn it. What? What? 
John Dahl made that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I suck. I really should just, uh, okay, I'll be quiet. I, 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 I really like this movie. Not as much as my, uh, as the, well, I, I'll reveal this later, but I, I remember seeing it before and then watching it again. I, um, Steve Zahn is so weird in this, and I just wasn't expecting that, how, how, uh, unlikable he is and how much I like that. That's weird, um, but the, but the the thing I really like about Paul Walker in this um, is there is that there's this moment where the two of them are doing this like uh, prank phone call CB radio thing, and um, and when you, when you're doing when you're learning acting when you're going through acting classes and whatnot, um, well, one of the things that was that I found to be really difficult was just learning to laugh, um, learning to laugh uh, naturally and convincingly in a scene. Uh, faking laughter or just laughing while you're acting when you're supposed to, called upon to do that, is sometimes harder than than learning to cry uh, or, or just being able to just cry in the middle of a scene. Sometimes that kind of emotion is much more difficult than just learning to laugh naturally. Because you can really tell when somebody's faking laughing. And Paul Walker is really good in this movie at just naturally laughing. He's just got this sense of being able to have a camaraderie with his brother and laugh. And laugh nervously and do different levels of laughing. And when they're trying to do this... uh, this thing where his brother is trying to convince him you're going to do this thing and he and he's laughing nervously and also laughing just because he's laughing he's really good at that and i don't think i'd ever noticed that i mean one of the things that that tom sort of forced me to do is and i'm a huge paul walker fan uh is really pay attention to little things that he does that are good that he doesn't necessarily have to be good at uh, and what makes him distinctive, I think. So it's just his ability to to show that joy of laughter in a natural way. He's just very natural. Laughing. The the problem, so the the joyride conundrum, Dingus, if you want to call it that. Joyride is, um, I, I think it's a pretty terrible movie. I don't I don't like it. But uh, it, it, part of the problem is that you've got to have these two guys play a really dickish prank. On someone, and that someone then becomes like a killer, and it becomes a sort of a serial killer chase movie kind of mystery thing. Um, but what 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 it does is it sets it sets up Steve Zahn as the sort of the bad influence, and Paul Walker, and this is so consistent in his, most of his roles in movies. Paul Walker is such a likable guy that it, a movie has a hard time making him do dickish things. Right. So what they have to do in the movie is Steve Zahn has to talk Paul Walker into playing this prank and pretending to be a girl over the CB radio to this lonely trucker guy because that's a total dick thing to do. And if these guys just do it in the movie, then you're going to think those guys are jerks. They should totally be chased by a killer truck driver. So <laughs> the, the dynamic is that Paul Walker would never do that. So what the movie has to do is have Steve Zahn win him over. And Dingus, what you're talking about, and this is totally like one of my runner-up moments, is there's a moment where Paul Walker, he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's mean. I don't want to do that. Where his brother cajoles him playfully into doing it. And he buys into doing it, and he buys into this kind of glee about it. And they partly do it because they're going to set up this racist asshole with the trucker. Um, So they try to sort of 
pave the way so that it's not too much of a dick move, and then they make Steve Zahn win Paul Walker over. And what's really convincing to me is how Paul Walker lets himself be won over, and you don't lose this this sense that he's, hey, he's fundamentally a nice guy who wouldn't do this. Uh, they have Steve Zahn just be so winning about it. They have this the setup involved, this racist asshole. So... Yeah, like you're saying, Dingus, to see Paul Walker finally get wrapped up into it because his brother's being over the top and nutty. He's being charmed by his own brother, kind of, in it. Uh, Really works, yeah. I have seen it, now I remember. There's a sequel, too, which I watched, which uh, not even not even Ted Levine, who I don't think is credited in Joyride. He's He's the voice. And and that's that's the other thing I want to ask. Why? Uh, Maybe union rules or something. I, you know, I th- I think they're there. I think they were screwing around with because you you see a guy, you see a guy that you're supposed to think is oh right right there it, yeah is <laughs> is a rusty nail, um, and we we by this time we know who Ted Levine is and we probably recognize his voice. So if you credit him, point, then when when that guy shows up and it's the fake out where he he's the ice truck guy who runs them down to say, hey, you left your credit card. I drove down this road after you to give it to you. Um, we we know oh well that's not Ted Levine, but we haven't seen his name, so and we're not going to be fooled. I don't. They do the same thing in the sequel. So Ted Levine didn't do the sequel, but they do the same thing where you never really see the trucker, and they have a fake guy come in, and oh, he's not really the killer. Uh, yeah. And of course, the, it's a whole different set of characters. Um, Ted Levine played Lurch, right? Did he in the Adams Family movie? Yeah, I did no, not know that. TV show. I don't think he played Lurch Good in Lord. the TV show. <laughs> uh, all right. What other Paul Walker movie is Ted Levine in, by the way? Mm, Tammy the T-Rex. Diggis, do you know? No, I don't. They, they the pal blade. around. Uh, it would have been around the same time. He's the police contact for Paul Walker in the original Fast and Furious. Oh. He's the detective. Uh, who oh, that's right. Yeah, when they, yeah, when they go into that house. Yeah, so yeah. even, the, even the, cops, the cops in Hollywood are even Hollywood. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. That's great. All right, so Joyride. Uh, Kelly Wand, what is your number three pick for a Paul Walker moment? I liked in Fast and the Furious 5, this is my number three, by the way, when he thinks that he won a race, but then they all laugh at him. So I thought that was kind of a cool, like, he doesn't mind, he's the lead in the series, but he doesn't mind playing dumb. Like, he's the dumb one of the gang. He can definitely be, well, so I'll... Uh, His character's an idiot, isn't he? Supposed to be? Like, the I, slow-witted, but lovable Brian. Yeah, let me take this then into my number three, because it's sort of, in the original Fast and Furious... Um, one of the things that I had forgotten is how I think the original Fast and Furious is actually pretty good. It, it does; it's not good throughout. But one of the cool things they do—it's awesome. It's not just pretty good. It's well, I didn't remember this, Dingus. Why didn't you remind me? Sorry, I just I love that movie good. so freaking much. You, you're, you're basically watching the first half of the movie, not sure who this Brian Spillner guy is, and it's only yeah. halfway through that there's a reveal that he's an undercover cop. Um, and you're not sure why he's doing what he's doing or what he's doing. And he, he has this race against Dominic Toretto that he loses, his, yeah. blows his car and he ingratiates himself. And you're like, what is this dumb kid doing? What does he want? Is he just really after Jordana Brewster? No, is that, uh, so there's this kind of puzzle that doesn't get solved early on and you're not sure what he's doing. And so my number three moment, which is very much like yours, Kelly Wand, is in that first race, which by the way, 
man, I, I remembered liking that a lot, but I forgot how well that holds up. Just the way they shoot yeah. that race yeah. with the sort of CG effects and not just conventional shots of cars. They gave a shit. No, they, but the sense of speed, it. It. Mm-hmm. speed yeah. in that movie is awesome. Yeah, it, it's and the almost, ending's good. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, but, maybe that's what we're going to say. Sorry. So they have that race. No, it's not the, so they have that race. Uh, you know, it's after the I need Nos. You know, that's there's a great point <laughs> early on. I need Nos. He puts Nos in his car. Uh, they have the race. He uses his Nos and he he blows his engine. You know, he's ahead of everyone. Uh, uh, Vin Diesel passes him, and he blows his engine trying to catch up with Vin Diesel. His car spins out. He's put his car on the line. You know, he's basically come in so confident, and everybody's laughing at him that he's going to win. That he's like, if I lose, you can have my car. So the engine is blown on his car. He has lost the race. The car has spun out. He's going to have to go up and, and, out of humiliation, hand the car over to everyone. And there's a moment where the car has spun out, and he's sitting there in the driver's seat, grinning. <laughs> he is lost. Yeah. He is totally jazzed. He's caught up in the thrill of the race. But you also, you don't know this at this point. He knows that this is going to be an in to get in close to Dominic Toretto. You don't know that about him yet. But he's just this dumb kid who's blown the race, who's completely jazzed, and it's so endearing because his reaction at that point is not, "Oh God damn it, no," which right. you think. But his reaction is, "That was fun." No, do you remember what he says? <laughs> Uh, well, well, so then he pulls up, and he and 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 Vin Diesel says, "What are you smiling about?" Because he's just lost his car and he's grinning like an idiot. And there's all these people going, ooh, 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 you know, like woofing at him. And yeah. Vin Diesel says, "What are you smiling at?" And he grins and he says, "Dude, I almost had you." Yeah. I know. <laughs> so dear. So adorable. And yeah. He's such a sweet. Like he's the one. There's not a mean bone of that kid's body. Yeah. It, yeah. But it's not just that. I love that look so much, and this is a runner-up for me. It's it's because, I don't know how he does it, but it's like this almost, this sexual but childish moment at the same time. He's just like, oh, God, I'm so, this is so great. I just won yeah. my first race, but I didn't, but, oh, damn, I just got it. It was just, it's so beautiful. That look is so exuberant. Is perfect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <sighs> I love that. He is a terrible cop. I gotta say, but he's a great person. Well, hold that thought because there's other <laughs> movies that have a uh, okay. about that. Kelly Wand. Ah, Dingus, what's your number two choice for a Paul Walker moment? All right, my, uh, my number two is uh, the the quote would be "No sign of him yet, boss. Brothers got skills." So um, this is from, and I'd never seen this movie until this week, and this is Into the Blue, and I I think Tom must have said that this was a good movie. I don't know. I love this movie. I freaking love Into the Blue. Did you do you like this movie, Tom? So into into the blue, there's this weird situation. There's an actor named John Stockwell who I think was in like these teenage movies, and he seems to have made a bit of a career as a director by taking really attractive people out into awesome tropical locations <laughs> and making. He's done Into the Blue, Blue Crush, Dark Tide, which is that movie I was telling you guys about where Halle Berry fights a great white shark. Um, and a, a, a really terrible horror movie called Teristas with Melissa George and some other folks. She fights. So, uh, but but I think the only one of those that's really genuinely good as as just like a bona fide soup to nuts, well made thriller is definitely Into the Blue. And I watched that again this week as well, Dingus. Yeah. No, I, I remember being hit and miss, but I think Into the Blue is almost entirely hit. Uh, well, let's, so just, Dingus, tell us. That's cute. I, I cannot tell you how much I like this movie, and I was I just. I just dismissed it. I've dismissed it for, you know, it's a 2005 movie. I've dismissed it since then. And I went ahead and had to watch it this week. And I can't tell you how good it is. And holy cow, Josh Brolin is in it. What the hell? Yep. He makes a great villain. 
<laughs> Where did he come from? Um, huh. he, Josh Brolin is in it. Uh, and uh, okay, so so moment wise, since we're talking about moments, really, um, I just think that that Paul Walker is so good with camaraderie, and he's got he's got a couple of these moments with uh, with his brother in this, who's played by Scott Kahn, oh, who so annoying. <laughs> who is terribly annoying. He's but the Steve Zahn of this movie, isn't right, he? Right, <laughs> exactly, except less talented. Um, oh, snap. I know. Huh. Where he, there's, there's this moment at the end where, where, where his brother's been injured, and he, and he just pulls him to his head, and they just like, he just pulls his head to his head, and then he points up. But, but the real moment I really love is, is when he's going through the treasure. And uh, and he's he's looking at he, he they finally find this ship that they've been looking for. I mean, it's this great thriller of a movie, uh, and uh, and they find this ship, and he's looking through the treasure. And there's this sort of sense of weird intimacy where where he opens this treasure box and he finds this glove, and then he finds this locket, and all you can see of his face because he's diving is his eyes. Really, th- that little third of his face which is his eyes and you understand what he's going through and part of that is is the director like uh, wedging in a little music wedging in a little jessica bill flashback kind of a thing but Alba. But, but mainly oh dingus yeah did you see what yeah. did you hear what you just did dingus i know i was thinking of london um but but it's just watching his eyes and he does this great little thing with his eyes where where you can tell what he's going through you can tell that he is doing this little dilemma that he's supposed to go through during the movie where it's, are you going to give up treasure for love or love for treasure? And you see him doing it. And he just has very little space to work with. And he does it really beautifully. But I just liked the movie so damn much. I thought I think Into the Blue is really worth watching. It's, it's sexy. Uh, all of the swimming is, is – I mean – Paul Walker swims like a, a freaking shark. I don't know what the hell. I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's stand-ins or what. Uh, but the but the swimming is beautiful. The the photography is amazing. The setting, yeah, their use of the setting, not just underwater, but just the whole Bahamas. Uh, yeah, it's just a really beautiful use of location. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really well set up and well paced. Um, and Josh Brolin, uh, you know, especially after seeing him in Old Boy, uh, he's so good in this he's he's surprising i just didn't expect to see him in this at this point um i really really liked into the blue uh so uh yeah so uh well let's go ahead because that was one of my picks as well so my pick from that moment dingus here, here's the line so this is your number two or yeah this is my number two is a moment right. from into the blue my line would have been uh and it's actually the moment where he says this line uh, where so we find out Josh Brolin is the main bad guy, and I love how they subvert uh, not Stephen Frears, uh, James Frain. I love how they subvert. <laughs> they introduce James Frain as the main bad guy, and then you realize, oh, you know, they do a little sort of bait and switch where, oh, he's not the main bad guy. There's somebody worse than him. So the main bad guy is Josh Brolin, and it's all about this coke that's in a in a, 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 a an airplane is crashed in the water it's and it's full. Well, basically the movie is the it's a, a version of the. Of the deep, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, so there's all this coke in an airplane that's been sunk underwater, and uh, they find it, and the main bad guy wants it back. So the, there, there's a point where uh, Paul Walker's been caught, he's handcuffed, his girlfriend is locked up below decks, he's outgunned by Josh Brolin and his thugs. Um, 
he's screwed. And they basically said, you know what? Show us where our coke is, or we're going to kill you and 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 Jessica Alba. Um, Scott Con uh, has been run off. They've uh, already lost Scott Con's girlfriend. She's been killed. So it just looks terrible. Um, and they come up to the location. Paul Walker has showed him where the coke is going to be, where it's underwater. And they find all these bags that the coke used to be in, floating around in the water with this white substance in the water. And James Brolin's like, "What is that?" And Paul Walker's line is. That's half your coke, Captain. And now I'm going to go down and destroy the rest of it. So at the point where you think the movie should totally be where he's screwed, because he's this this magical golden boy, Paul Walker, uh, he just turns everything around. He jumps overboard, handcuffed. He just goes underwater. We don't know this, but he set up this Home Alone scenario down there in the underwater <laughs> airplane. The bad guys are going to chase him down there. So it's just like when things look darkest – the movie belongs to Paul Walker, and he's totally going to turn it around on them, and he's going to beat the bad guys, and they're all going to get killed or worse. And it's just this great moment where, because he's magical golden boy Paul Walker, it's now his movie. You know, It's not going to be a bad deal at all. So he's like an aquatic Macaulay Culkin. It, it really is. All The underwater shenanigans are ridiculous. And I, I could see... Like if if you want to take Into the Blue too seriously at this point, it might fall apart for you. But if you just go with the fact that it's about this this golden boy and that he's naturally going to come out ahead in the end, it's totally enjoyable. And Kelly Wand, you would appreciate this. It's suitably R-rated. You know, there's there's <laughs> mm-hmm. some gore, there's some blood, uh, there's a, a shark attack kill. Um, Alba doesn't this, show the M and M's. There's this great. There's a couple of great shots of it. There's a shark attack. Uh, there, there's this shark like reflection on a face helmet. I mean the yeah. the. Oh, I, there's so many great things. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe how good it is. I can't believe how good it is. And what I like about uh, that turnaround too is that there's no, again it's with Paul Walker. There's no sign of smarminess. Like, no. I don't I don't know what and I and it's not just because he's died. It's not that. I mean, even all along he's just so likable that even at this that's half your coke and now I'm gonna go down and destroy the rest of it. Ha ha ha. You know yeah, he's planning that line. I, I, yeah, and it's not smart. It's not like if you had Chris O'Donnell deliver that line, it would be like, Oh, oh Jesus, really shut up. <laughs> uh, but I wanna find out how much of the swimming the two of them did because he's I mean, it's there's really cool swimming in it. Yeah. Just, well, it's it's just it's the normal the way he just swims. Yeah. I mean, and well, marine bio- he was marine biology, so we assume it's swimming, right? Same thing. Skill set. Uh, I don't I don't know what's that about marine biology. Yeah, that was his background and his passion. I did not know that. He swam for reals. Well, I think a lot of what Into the Blue has going for it, and so there, by the way, there's an Into the Blue two colon the reef, which I've also seen. Um, <laughs> It's set in Hawaii, by the way. It has no characters in common with the original Into the Blue. Um, uh, part of what Into the Blue has going for it is some amazing underwater photography. Yeah. Because uh, it, it's so hard to shoot underwater. And you can see this in Into the Blue, too, where they didn't have any resources. When you light something underwater, uh, it, it you know, the, you, you have to, like, the, the, the type of lighting, if you just, like, put a bright light on somebody underwater, then it's going to completely look out of sorts. You have a real challenge to light someone's eyes inside a diving mask. Mm. Um, so yeah. there's just a lot of difficult work that has to be done, and they did that in Into the Blue. Uh, so in the sequel, uh, they're looking for uh, uh, pieces of a nuke that get dropped underwater. <laughs> Good so, pieces of it. it so it's it's a nuclear warhead that's been split into two halves 
mm. for transportation. And then when the terrorists cool. get it back, they're going to put the two halves together. But something happens where they have to dump the cargo because the Coast Guard is on to them. It's in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, and so they dump the two halves of the nuclear warhead into the water, and they hire these two kids – who I presume were supposed to have been played by Jessica Alba and Paul Walker, but they knew better than to get involved in this low-budget thing. They hired them to dive for the, the... It's the same characters? Uh, no. No. Oh. It's hey, you same. those guys who... It's basically lovable dive bums down on their luck. That's so the theme is the watercolor and a guy and a girl. Yeah. Is there a stupid friend and his girlfriend? Like yep. in the person? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh. Yep. How come we're not like that? It's three of us. Well, we don't dive. Yeah. Uh, well, you do. You do. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What I meant to say is because you guys don't dive. Mm. Hey, is there a cute sex scene with him and Jessica Alba at the beginning? I remember thinking he's. It, there's no. It's not like a sensual. I mean, there's. They're. They're really good. But they like each other. Yeah. They're, you know, they're well matched. I think yeah. it's a really good casting decision. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's all that hot. Oh, I just. Well, it's not. I mean, let me tell you, uh, Jessica Alba's like. Madonna. For all intents and purposes, when you put people in skimpy bathing suits and have them swim around underwater, they may as well be naked. So there's a lot of really – there's a lot of Jessica Alba's skin and a lot of – even if you don't technically see skin where you know what's going on. Uh, like there's – there's a, it's a it's a pretty hot movie, I would say, Dingus. It's, it's a hot movie, but I don't uh, – you know, I just don't get a lot of sexual heat between the two of them. I just, I just, they're not. They're not. I just get that there's there are two they're really hot to, people swimming around together. And, but it's like they've been together for a long time, and it's so it's kind of like domestic. That's part of what it is too, exactly. And they have conversations like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it also plays on uh, this idea, and this was as far as marketing Paul Walker and like s- selling him to movie audiences. It's a big part part of his appeal. Um, Paul Walker is kind of uniquely positioned, even though he's this this golden-haired, blue-eyed, fair-skinned fella. Uh, he he was uniquely appealing to minority audiences, and a lot of a lot of that is because of the movies he was put in, like Fast and Furious, tying into car culture. The the first movie had a lot of black characters, a lot of Hispanic characters. So when you see him in Into the Blue, there's this idea that he's really familiar with the locals there in, in the Bahamas, you know, and, and there's a scene where they go into a nightclub that has it's just a sea of black people, basically. And Scott Kahn stands out like a total douchebag. But when they all know when all the people in the club know Paul Walker and they're cool with him, when the local cops know Paul Walker and they're cool with him, it totally fits like it totally makes sense. I'm uh, so glad yeah. you said that because there's something for from a runner up that is going to I'm just going to oh, oh, go ahead anyway. You know, say it now. Go go for it now. No, because one of you guys might choose it for your number one. Or right. Kelly might choose it for his number two. Who knows? All right. Yeah, so we skipped ahead. Kelly, on what is your number two favorite Paul Walker moment? He does have that quality where it's like every man considering. You know what I mean? Like Garrett Dillahunt doesn't have that. Does <laughs> you, <laughs> I couldn't imagine Garrett Dillahunt. Or Garrett Hedlund. Garrett, Garrett Dillahunt. <laughs> I would have been Dillahunt into the blue. Garrett Dillahunt in that night movie. That night. What the hell is that night movie with the Queen soundtrack where Garrett Hedlund goes back in time? What is that? A Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale. I would love to see Garrett Dillahunt in a Knight's Tale. <laughs> I haven't seen Timeline. Fuck. I should have seen it. I wish well, I watched. Maybe that'll be my number one pick, Kelly Wand. My number two is from Tammy and the T-Rex, which you said you wanted an opsis of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what that, what's that movie about, Kelly Wand? Okay, I didn't write this. This is just what I remember. But it's like he's a 
he's a jock on the football team and Denise Richards is his cheerleader girlfriend, but there's like a bully that she used to be with and she has like a gay black friend. And then they have like a scrotum twist off. <laughs> they do, don't they? <laughs> Remember that? Did you watch it this week? Uh, it was about a Very month or two ago, I think. Oh, you watched that recently? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dingus found a copy of it, on v- like an old VHS copy, and he just handed it to me. And he's like, okay, watch this. I'm not going to tell you why. And I was like, what? What is it? And I put it in, and the, the credits started rolling. And I, I saw, oh, Denise Richards. Maybe he wants me to watch it because she's in it. And then I saw Paul Walker was in it. They're super young, both of them. Well, the, the funny thing to me – over the years, it, this is, I love when I know an actor and follow an actor for a long time. It's one of the really cool things about uh, catching a child actor when, when he or she is really young is watching people grow up. And it's so weird. Paul Walker started to look like uh, – and in a very good way – started to look like a 40-year-old man. Like his face got a little harder. Um and it's when he kept his hair short, too. Um, but early on, and especially in Tammy and the T-Rex, he looks to me like in in, uh, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the pod people would come out, and they wouldn't be fully formed. They would look like embryo versions of themselves. Those are called kids. Right? <laughs> I, I think so, it's what yeah. you're looking for in this analogy. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, his baby fat kind of. Well, yeah, early Paul Walker. And but yeah, pod people too, Tom. There is no <laughs> earthly uh, analog for pod people. <laughs> called procreation but anyway, it is yes. weird he just looks unformed i, I well, she does too kind of not as that much. is true yeah. she's kind of like an 80s denise richards looking not that it's in the 80s um but so go but, ahead so anyway so okay so he's like, him, there's a scrotum yeah there's a scrotum, there's a scrotum twist off right? and the bully <laughs> takes him to the zoo and lets him in, out in a lion cage and the lions kill paul walker's character <laughs> as a cruel prank by the bully and uh it's worse go on yeah keep going it's not it's not better yes well and then a mad scientist gets a hold of the body and puts paul walker's brain in a giant animatronic dinosaur t-rex and then denise richards tries to find him a new body for a while and then he gets revenge on the bullies by like crushing them in cars and stuff isn't it really violent um in the in a cartoony way like not seriously violent it's not like a horror more violent than the hobbit Right, but uh, but it's people you want to see get hurt too. Yeah, and then there's like a military faction that's trying to hunt right. down the animatronic T Rex. Yeah, and then they shoot they shoot the T Rex, and then Denise Richards is depressed and screams and cries. And then the next scene is her at home six months later, and she goes up to her bedroom and Paul Walker's brains in her bedroom in a jar in, in a jar. Goes, yeah, she pours scotch on the brain. <laughs> And then she goes, hey, you want a little action? And then she does a strip tease. And there's like a long version of the strip tease. And then there's a short one, too. And she's singing the song, too, at the same time, kind of. It's like a bunch of jump cuts. And then uh, he's all – and then sparks shower out. It's a, it's a brain orgasm. As his yeah. brain comes from watching Denise Richards, even though she still has her bustier on. So from all of this, Kelly One, what would be your favorite Paul Walker moment? <laughs> oh, when he came. <laughs> That's Elf. my number two. All right. Elfgasm. All right, Tammy and the T-Rex. And uh, you owe me $10 because I have seen it. Damn. Well, I didn't count on Dingus finding it. Yeah. Did you guys have the long striptease number or the short? No, this was like just some VHS uh, rip that was obviously like from a, I'm assuming a, a blockbuster rental or something. Uh-huh. I remember at one point he goes to the gay black friend, why'd she go out with that asshole who later will kill him? And, and the black guy goes, did you ever make a mistake? Mm. 
And then they also go to the morgue, and then Denise Richards keeps pulling out different bodies, and then the T-Rex with Paul Walker's body. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Head. Yeah. Now, not that one. <laughs> That's right. Forget which one he picks. Maybe you guys can refresh my memory. But is it like some Frenchman or something with like a thick mustache? Uh, I don't remember either, Kelly. Except the Hobbit. Sorry. All right. Back to what you're saying about All right. Well, my number two is uh, Paul Walker getting to jump, uh, jumping into the water handcuffed because he's Paul Walker and he can get away with that and into the blue. Get out of the cuffs. We don't see that. There's really a lot that we don't we don't see him setting everything up. Okay. He just uh, I guess he had handcuffs like hands for keys for the handcuffs underwater. So they do they, one of the tricky things with Into the Blue with any diving movie is the actor's face is either going to have you know the mask that Dingus mentioned. Uh, if you're using a rebreather, you're going to have a big old huge thing jammed in your mouth, and that doesn't really make you look very attractive. You know, because uh, you've got it's like it's like when you put an orange rind in front of your teeth. You know, when you put in a rebreather, you've got that in your mouth. Um, so one of the things they do in Into the Blue is they're free diving. So a lot of the early movie is them just holding their breath underwater, you know, so you can see the actors' faces. Like now the later, divers. later on, exactly, Kelly Wand. Later on, when they have to do some serious uh, kind of excavation of stuff, they put on these bigger facial masks so they can talk underwater and do that whole silly thing where there's dialogue when they're underwater. But uh, a lot of what's cool about Into the Blue is it, it knows, look, sometimes you want to just see the actor's face. Don't stick a big old rebreather in his or her mouth. Let us just see people swimming underwater. Uh, and so there's also a lot of being underwater without a mask, and that's what happened is he, he goes down to this airplane, and he has uh, hidden little breathing points around the airplane. So he goes underwater down there, and then the bad guys swim under, and they have these bang sticks, which are sticks with shotgun shells at the end that you bang into a shark, and they fight with those. Um, yeah, And he, he rigs – well, you know what? You'll, you'll have to see it. They I also – they also set it up early on that he can hold his breath for three minutes. Right, right. They're Why? Because that's how long it takes him to finish No, because oh, that's how long uh, – uh, that's the longest Hollywood scene. Well, and there's a great scene, too, where he has to – he jumps overboard, and there's people with guns. And if, if he swims up out of the water, they're going to shoot him. So there's this great scene where how – what are you going to do – if you've jumped overboard and bad guys are going to shoot you and there's other bad guys looking for you in a boat, that is kind of plausible. I mean, it, it's yeah, little... it, it really is. And that's what my, my initial quote came from. It, you know, I, he's got yeah. skills. Yeah. 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 Tom says overboard weird. Say it again. Overboard? <laughs> I thought the masks were for the fish not recognizing you. <laughs> Very sneaky, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Dingus, what is your favorite Paul Walker moment in a movie? Uh, I feel kind of bad about this a little bit um but i'm gonna use it anyway uh do you guys have you have either of you seen varsity blues yeah no i like it rob lowe jamie smart too no no james oh. vanderbeek motherfucker what's the rob lowe thing isn't there a rob lowe rowing movie that's oxford oxford's blues, blues. Oh, ah nice also right. directed by uh tyler lemming or whatever uh you said the director's name was of into the blue john stockwell wait john ted stockwell. levine that's Ted right, Levine, the, who plays Candy Cane in Joyride? Yeah, see, because it has blue in the title. <laughs> Ted Levine did not direct Oxford Blues. What was Dingus saying? I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. Varsity, Varsity Blues. I was talking about Varsity Blues. Um, uh, so, have, so, once again, have the two of you seen this? No, I, this is a Paul Walker movie I haven't seen, Dingus. It's got a, yeah, 
well, there's, get there, right? Or well, there's that... really there's really no reason for you to see it, and uh, uh, you know I've seen it a couple of times. Um, Amy Smart's whipped cream. No, that's the other chick. No, that's the other chick. Who would the other chick be? Kelly Bond. Uh, Jamie Presley. <laughs> Wait, uh... that's Allie Larder. But thank you. Oh. See, they look like each other now. Amy Smart and Allie Larder, like swap. You? How dare you say that? Evangeline Lilly and that other girl, Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, anyway, um, the. <laughs> Yes, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, there's there's a reason I'm picking this. So so Varsity Blues, uh, you know James Vanderbeek is is basically the star of this movie. Um, you know Paul, Paul Walker plays. It, it's about football in Texas. It's Friday Night Lights, but oh done God. TV. Yep. But that was about first, wrestling. Like, you know it's 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 all Texas football, but before Friday Night Lights made it really. Sexy and and dramatic. And Oliver it's, Stone. And um, yeah, and Oliver Stone, very good. Um, so anyway, Paul Walker plays the um, geez, how would you brash blonde? Uh, he plays he plays the William Zapka part basically. He plays the the Karate Kid like uh, I'm the I'm like the super cool blonde quarterback. Uh, I'm kind of dumb. Uh, he's he's the guy in Election who uh, is Tammy's brother. I can't even remember who plays Chris Metzen. Chris Klein. Chris Klein. He's Chris. He's the Chris Klein. Uh, and and he's like, one just mentioned one of the founders of Blizzard. I think. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Kelly. Uh, no one gets that joke. Dingus, I think. So so during like the pep rally, Paul Walker comes up with there's like I I had a dream that we were beating the other team by thirteen to six, but. Then I woke up and I realized we're going to beat them by more than that, you know. And he eventually, of course, he, his knee gets injured, and then James Vanderbeek comes in and says, "Has to step up." But but this is like the the blonde kid who is everybody's favorite, but he's a little he's got a little bit of an edge to him, and and by edge we mean we kind of don't like him because he's a little too arrogant. He's kind of a jerk, and everybody thinks he's going to be a star. He's everybody's favorite. But he's going to be the the hero that we kick aside so that the real hero can come in and win the day. The brunette, um, yeah, the the Vanderbeek character can come in and win the day. And 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 in watching Varsity Blues again, what I didn't know <laughs> when I started watching it was that Scott Kahn is in this movie too. Oh no! Oh, it's a reunion into the blue, and it's got <laughs> blue in the title. It's a reunion weird. actually, and uh, and. Because Varsity Blues is, of course, 1999, and Scott Kahn plays this jerk who is his, who's the, who's the, uh, who's the receiver, the white receiver, who is like, oh, I'm so arrogant, I'm going to steal the cop car, I'm going to be the jerk. It's uh, a jerk off. And so Scott Kahn is in this as well, and then they reunite somehow in Into the Blue, and um, what the reason I'm choosing this is that there's no real moment there's there's i could choose one moment where where paul walker is listening to a newscast of, of after james vanderbeek has had to come in for him and and win the day and and everybody loves him and he's sort of melancholy about it but my my real point of this is that paul walker found a way and i don't know how this happens i, I honestly don't uh he found a way to make his career and i 
have to think that he would have kept doing this had had he not passed. Uh, make his career into something else. He he took all kinds of chances. Um, I could have picked uh, my f- absolute favorite movie of his, but I didn't. Um, but he made that movie, which was really risky, I think. And he did other things that are real risky moves that aren't usually what the pretty boy what he could have just lapsed into and and moving on from this movie to into the blue and seeing how he and somebody who has uh credentials in the business scott Kahn, just basically played the same character again and paul walker didn't do that he went from this this sort of lead role this this powerful like I could have just kept doing this movie over and over again, and he somehow found a way to flip this into other things that were chance taking. So I, I choose Varsity Blues first because I'm just so impressed after watching this, seeing where he went with his career. And I know that's kind of uh, perverting what Tom was going for. But I just am so impressed what he's done with his career, and I just am so freaking upset that he's gone. So one of the movies, the only movies of his that are on Instant Watch on Netflix are uh, Timeline, and he was in The Skulls, hmm. which I think, I'm, I'm guessing it's the same kind of thing as Varsity Blues Dingus, where he's just playing... Because The Skulls, is it Joshua Jackson? I've actually yeah. never seen that, but uh, I'm guessing he just has like a small supporting part in that. And that must have been around the same time as Varsity Blues. Um, it's right, Kelly, disturbing what? behavior without the robots, huh, Tom? There's robots in that? <sighs> Kelly, what's your favorite Paul Walker moment? I'm very excited about this one, Tom, because it's a movie you got me to see finally. Finally? Jeez, how long did it take? Two or three years. At that's least. Yeah. Well, you say a lot of things. <laughs> I do. Um, that's, that's true, too. Um but uh, I don't know. Uh, well, okay. So, is is it on your list too? Well, okay. I'll just say what I'm going to we'll, say. We'll find out, won't so, we? Because I like a lot of things he does in the movie. But what movie would that be? Uh, it's the one he made with Gregory Hines. <laughs> gotcha. White Knights. Like you. <laughs> but no. Running scared the uh, movie motion picture mm-hmm. movie. Uh, I like when he uses gum to grab the slug from the floor. Mm-hmm. And I like when he has sex with Vera Farmiga on the dryer. Wait, I forgot that, because he does that in Varsity Blues. Has sex with Vera Farmiga on a dryer? No, he he does it with somebody else, namely Allie Larder. I didn't know that he... I forgot that he did that in Running Scared. There's definitely laundry room sex in in Running Scared. Dryers? uh, Allie Larder says, let the dryer... He's, like, a little nervous, and she's like, don't worry, let the dryer do the work. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Varsity Blues. That's her. Res- See, dryers are good to have sex on because while well, well, they're on, because it's warm, and then you can change afterwards. Hold on, let me write this down. Right there, assuming. So, did you have a list of moments, Kelly Wand, or the the, oh, gum, the dryer? Go ahead. Well, then remember the part where it's like the kid is all, "Hey, I left the gun in the toilet," mm-hmm. but uh, he doesn't believe me. He's all, "Quit lying! What the fuck?" And he's like, he's super pissed at the kid, and so that's something that I kind of like in his performance. Was like. He's not. Um, 
don't know. He's not afraid to yell at kids. Like he's not afraid to. Not only is he not afraid to yell at kids, he points a gun at a baby. Yeah, a, a tiny crying baby, and he's waving around in the mother's face. And there's a, there's a couple of points where the, the you know the mother's sort of moving around, and and the gun is pointed at the baby. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this movie has Paul Walker, Golden Boy Paul Walker, yeah. threatening a baby with yeah. a gun. I mean, he's such a not a bad guy because he's a it, it kind of cheats in the end, but whatever. Um, but Kelly, he, is this the first time you've seen Running Scared? Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's right. interesting. Yeah. So you watched it this week. Uh, yeah, I'm not done with it yet, so don't spoil the ending. What? <laughs> you know like what? I watched Dark Star. I watched three movies for you. Yeah, I know. Wait, Look, Earth I'm Martin. working stiff. I have a very, very busy social. Kelly, let me do a favor. Uh, don't watch the last ten minutes. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop it out. You're good. You're good, Kelly. You're fine. Uh, so my favorite Paul Walker moment. Uh, so the great thing about Running Scared is – there, there's none of you know. It's actually Paul Walker acting, which mm-hmm. I also saw the hours this week, which is also trying to be all Paul Walker acting. It's just hours, not the and, Kidman one. Um, and it's the it, hours. It just it's just called hours. hours. Uh, oh, and okay. and and a lot of hours is is not just just Paul Walker acting, but it's just Paul Walker alone in a room with no one else acting. And I don't think it's very good. Well, Barry had had that. He good. doesn't have um, the support structure that he has in. Running Scared, because Running Scared has a lot of good actors, yeah. and one of the best things you can do with someone like Paul Walker is put him with another really good actor and let him work with that actor. And The Hours has none of that. The girl playing his love interest in The Hours is awful. Oh, my God, she's terrible. Um, but in Running Scared, the scenes he has like with Vera Farmiga, um, the kid who plays his son isn't that good, but the kid Cameron Bright is really good. Uh, he's got scenes with, I think the guy's name is Johnny Mesner, who plays the villain. Certainly with uh, the guy who plays Denethor, who's the bo- the mobster at the end. Um, but what, So my favorite Paul Walker scene, uh, and Running Scared, and I know that's what you're talking about too, Dingus. I, I love that, that movie, and it's great Paul Walker because it's so different from what he normally does. And it shows him acting because he's not having to do this normal pretty boy uh, kind of routine. He's... He's actually there. Even he tries to do an accent at times. It's not consistent, but it works. I can tell what he's going for. But there's a great moment where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he can really act sometimes. There's a moment where uh, early on you've seen him with his father, and he lives with his son, with his wife, and with his aged father. And his father has some sort of mental disability. You know, he needs to be cared for. And there's a scene later on in the movie where he's sitting with Cameron Bright. And Cameron Bright, who's an amazingly precocious child actor, plays a kid with an abusive stepfather who shot the stepfather. And the gun he used is the MacGuffin in this movie. And they've got to find this gun because terrible things will happen if they don't find this gun. So there's a scene where Paul Walker and Cameron Bright are out. And they're looking for the gun. And they have a moment where they're just sitting in the car talking. And Paul Walker... Is knows that Cameron Bright's stepfather has been abusive, and he gives him kind of a pep talk where he explains about someone that he knew who also had an abusive father, and then he waited until he was big enough, and he went in one day with a baseball bat, and he beat the shit out of his father, and his father never touched him again after that. And what you realize during that scene, first of all, Paul Walker's really good. He's connected at first with Cameron Bright. And he starts imagining this. And what you realize is that he's describing the man who's an invalid, who's at home, who he has to care for. And you think, oh, he's that way because, you know, he beat him up when he was a kid. Mm 
Um, oh. And you realize what he's done. Uh, but also, and then so the scene ends with Paul Walker saying to Cameron Bright, you know what, just give it uh, another couple years, another four years, maybe three if you get some weight on you, and then yeah. do that and you'll be okay. Uh, and it's just this moment, it's a little reveal about his background, about his history, it's where he's connecting with this kid. Um, I just that means he had, to have told, he had to have told the Vera Farmiga character that story. My dad's going to move in. Why? why Why is he like that? Because uh, I beat him with a bat one time. Well, we don't know. I mean, he doesn't say. He never yeah. says to Cameron Bright, I beat him with a bat. He's, he's describing this as something that someone that he knows did. And you know from the movie that he's talking about himself. But he's not confessing to anyone that he did this. He Maybe did, his dad did that to his a, grandfather. It's just a subtext. You have to read between the lines. Hmm. Well, you know how I'm about that stuff, Tom. Yeah, you know, if it was important, they would explain it. Huh. All right, so there's my number one uh, moment from um, from Running Scared. I love that moment because, again, I think that he's just so good with camaraderie and just making connections. And I mean, he... the scene too on the swings with Vera Farmiga, I really like. Yeah. Yeah. God. Well, thanks for finally seeing it, Kelly Wand. Well, I guess you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, thanks for yeah. talking to us. You've seen the whole movie. Yeah. How's Eight Below? Uh, Eight Below. So uh, there's a great, but one of the only the the real redeeming moment from Hours. Uh, there's a moment where so the the premise of Hours is that during Hurricane Katrina they evacuate a hospital and he gets left behind in a room with his newly born son who was born prematurely who's on an incubator and because the power's out in the hospital every three minutes he has to he you know he he tries to hook up a generator in the incubator and the only one he can find is a hand cranked one so every three minutes he has to turn this crank to buy three more minutes on the incubator with this little baby in there this premature baby and then he has three minutes to go out and try to get help um, and then like some looters come in and there's this really stupid thing where looters try to steal things from him and he has to try to get the attention of a helicopter. And, uh, so, it, uh, there's a moment. Wait a minute. That's eight, that's eight below. No, that's ours. Oh, sorry. I'm but I was going to say my favorite moment in ours is when he comes across a dog tangled up in some rope who obviously uh, also I- got wandered into the hospital and he has to come up to this dog and, and sort of talk it down and say, don't, now don't bite me. I'm going to free you. And, Paul Walker with other actors with children, uh, also Paul Walker with dogs is awesome. So it's great to see him befriend this dog, and the dog hangs out with him for the rest of the movie until something terrible happens. Uh, but Eight Below, which is a Disney movie, if you like Paul Walker and dogs, and I do, uh, Eight Below is, is worth seeing. Um, so what W.C. Fields said about never share a scene with a kid with or Paul dog. Walker or dogs. Oh, all right. Well, it works if you're Paul. If you're Paul Walker, you can do it. <laughs> you can share a scene with a kid and with dogs. Uh, so Eight Below uh, also has a great early part where Paul Walker, who's the dog trainer, he's supposed to be super competent at Arctic survival. <laughs> and and Bruce Greenwood is a scientist who is down there to look for a particular kind of rock. Uh, so there's a there's a great bit early in the movie where Paul Walker is the super competent. Uh, Arctic survivalist leading Bruce Greenwood around. And if you know Bruce Greenwood, that guy just sort of, he just 
oozes competence. Like Bruce, <laughs> to have a fellow like Paul Walker explaining to Bruce Greenwood, no, don't walk over there because chasms will open up and swallow you. And there's a point where Bruce Greenwood falls in freezing water, and Paul Walker and the dogs have to rescue him and talk him through it. And he, Bruce Greenwood, has to sort of lie there and pretend to be stricken. And, but, but Bruce Greenwood is so generous at, at making the movie seem like Paul Walker is the super expert one. <laughs> he says, don't walk over there. And then he falls through ice. Uh, he falls through <laughs> ice. Yeah, what does he do? Oh, no, he falls down. Uh, he's He falls oh. down a chasm and slips and then falls down into a... <laughs> he falls down. Wait, he falls down a chasm. Got it. He falls down a, a, an incline onto some frozen water, and then the ice breaks and he falls into the water. And the dogs and Paul Walker have to rescue him. Yeah. I'll just take your word for it that there's something involving snow. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right, so we, uh, we have... Uh, Sharing a a name with Paul Walker, Paul Weimer. Sharing initials, even. Ah, hmm. and the well, last two letters. That's true. Um, Paul Weimer uh, says he thought the choice of topic was a fine one, and he challenged himself by not going for any of the Fast and Furious movies. Hmm. Fair enough, Paul Weimer. Guess I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Number three in timeline. There's a funny bit where Chris finds. <laughs> that's all you have to say, actually. Yeah. Wait, his name's Chris. Continue. Where Chris finds the glasses of his missing father back in 14th century France in a monastery cell. Chris had previously found them there in the 20th century in the same spot. The dumbfounded look on Chris's face when his companion tells him he has to leave the glasses where they are or they will screw up history. That dumbfounded look is wonderful to see as it changes to slow comprehension of the paradoxes and consequences of time travel. Why would that change history? So, have you seen Timeline? No, I don't see movies about... Uh, Michael Crichton movies? No, I do see those. It's so awful. Timeline is just wretched. By the way, do you guys know who directed Timeline? Uh, Didn't Crichton direct it? Nope. Richard St. Patrick's. Richard, Richard Donner, one of his last movies. Oh, no. It's well, he's not awful. Um, well, he hasn't done anything in, in years. I guess he's retired or something. But mm-hmm. so, uh, so yeah, timelines about time travel, and it starts out being about archaeologists. And at one point, these archaeologists find, uh, amongst all this stuff that's supposed to be from 13th century France, a bifocal lens. And they're like, what? Huh? Wow. And then from that, they know when someone, when this corporation is experimenting in time travel, they know that when one of the characters has gone missing, that that's where he went, that he got sent back in time, because they realize this is a perfect match with, a mis- with his glasses, with his prescription. So that later on, when they're in 13th century France, and they find in that same cell the, the glasses, Paul Walker has to leave that, the, the lens there, so that they'll then find it again in the future, and so that it won't break the time loop or whatever. Dude, I'd fucking cause so many paradoxes just to be, just to be funny. Like you already just have. to see what would happen. I don't doubt it, Kelly Wand. Paul Weimer's number two pick in Into the Blue, Jared. This is uh, what is Scott Kahn's name, Dingus? Do you remember? I don't. They have these horrible like white boy preppy names. It's like Jared and Spiff or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so in Into the Blue, Jared. That's Paul Walker's use of an air tank as an underwater missile would also ably fit in a three by three of best improvised weapons. Uh, and then the number one pick. I forgot he was in this. I've actually never seen this. Um, in Pleasantville, 
The first movie I saw with Paul Walker in it. What? What a great what? Yeah, uh, Paul Weimer writes. There's a great scene with Paul Walker and Reese Witherspoon as the role reversal, where Mary's the sexual aggressor in the relationship, where that role reversal puts the movie world straight laced Skip really off his game. Paul Weimer says, "Quote: It's adorable and fun." End quote. Man, nice Paul. I didn't. Good job, Paul. I didn't. I didn't remember he was even in that. So you've seen Pleasantville? Of course. I'd say of course. Of course I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. See? You haven't seen Pleasantville? Why would I see that? It's in about a TV show world. It's like where the world's in black and white, and then somebody falls in love, and it turns in color. Am I close to this? That sounds terrible. Why the fuck would I see that shit? What's the, what's the fun of that? <laughs> not one of that no. I, it was it was a really good movie for its time. Of course, it. Oh damn it! Huh. All right, never, so uh, never mind. I'm bailing on this. Forget it. Oh, Almost endorsed Pleasantville. It was directed by Gary Ross. I forgot that. Ew. Gary like, Ross sucks. What's wrong with you? No, but don't you <laughs> remember Pleasantville being a good movie? I've never seen it. Why would I remember How that? How could you not have seen it? It was a good movie at its time. We just said we didn't see it, and then he asked us that. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm so upset that I'm endorsing a movie by uh, Hunger Games. Right. And making... Wait, what? Ah, well, yeah. See, it broke him. Pleasantville broke him and turned Hunger Games. No, but Pleasantville at its time was a really good movie. It was I don't know why you keep saying that at its time like yeah, that. Is it still a very good movie? Yeah. I haven't seen it since 1998, <laughs> so I'm not going to watch it again. Damn it. Oh. Uh, none of us saw Takers, but I seem to recall there's a cool action sequence. No, I, no, I saw it. Oh, doesn't week. Paul Walker like save the day during the only cool action scene in that movie? He does, and and that this is what I was going to bring up when you were talking about uh, you were talking about his ability to sort of I don't know cross. Yeah, his, his like appeal to audience to minority audiences and to work with minorities. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I kind of liked Takers. I mean, it's kind of a mess. Uh, but th- there's this moment where he just says the line, "Yo, I'm tripping," and I bought it. I mean, it's not a white guy trying to say that line. It's Paul Walker going, "Yo, I'm tripping," but blah 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 blah. And just him, uh, just him saying, "Yo, I'm tripping." I totally bought it. I I don't so- know. I don't know why, I, but I think that he works in that world perfectly well. It's Paul Walker. So he was raised in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, you know, he, he's definitely from a very Hispanic neighborhood. Um, and I, it's the most endearing freaking thing. There's a, there's <laughs> an interview where he's plugging the last Fast and Furious movie, and uh, the, he gets asked the question about, okay, now you're working on Fast and Furious Seven, and it's James Wan instead of Justin Lin. How are you adjusting to the the new director? Get it. And and he's just explaining that, you know, they've they've been working, they've been, and he even says we've been banging these out. Like he uses the phrase "banging them out" with uh, Justin Lin for so long that it was a difficult adjustment for everyone, and they had to be careful not to sort of buffalo over James Wan. James Wan had to, you know, they had to figure out a working relationship. But then he says. Um, as a way of explaining that it's all working out, and he's not at all affected when he says this. He describes James James Wan as a total G. <laughs> and the, the woman who's interviewing him, she's a Latina. I mean, she obviously like recognizes like like I think that means like he's a gangster, like he's a he's it's like calling someone original G or something. But it's definitely this Latino lingo that just trips off his tongue. He's not even thinking about it. It's just so natural to him. And the Latino woman interviewing him, she totally knew what he was talking about. 
Um, Think of Latina. Well, that's what's beautiful about that moment in Taggers is that when he says, yo, I'm tripping, and he just goes on with what he's telling the the character, it it has this beautiful sort of uh, dissonance of – He's not a white guy trying to say this. Right, exactly. And yet he is a white guy saying this. And you can hear it's a white guy saying this, but he's not a white guy trying to say this. And I really like that Paul Walker can just move in that world. And when he goes into the club and into the blue, it's very clear that he's a different white guy in that room than Scott Kahn is in that room. And I love that you feel that about him. And when he says, yo, I'm tripping, and he goes on with that line, I heard that. Tegas, I hate to tell you this, but even you can't pull off that line. No, I'm not even trying to. (laughs) That's why I'm just quoting it. It's just so great to hear him just say the line, and he's just so natural with it. But it's got this – it's got all these little cultural sort of ripples in it, and I really like that about him. And when you mentioned that earlier, Tom, that line just immediately popped for me. Uh, by the uh, way, Scott Kahn's name in Into the Blue is uh, Bryce. <laughs> Bryce and what is it, Jared? Bryce and Jared, yeah. <laughs> sounds like two jewel merchants. Jared, Jared and Bryce. Uh, all right, other runners up from you guys. Uh, Wait, so that's Kelly, Kelly Wan, have you seen uh, Bobby Z? Nope, uh, um, I knew it. Uh, I think that's one I haven't seen. It's something. It's on Netflix, but it's, it's something where he and Larry Fishburne are doing. So I don't know if it's a heist movie or a crime thing or call him Larry. what? You call him Larry Fishburne? Hmm. Oh, Lawrence. Excuse me. Right. Yeah. Uh, Who? Who's Lawrence? Lawrence Fishburne. Sir Lawrence oh. Fishburne. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, so nobody watched Lazarus Project, I guess. Because that, that's another one where a lot of it is based on – it's kind of a Jacob's Lottery kind of mystery thingamabob. Um, I wanted to watch and didn't get around to it, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, the stuff with him and Tyrese Gibson. Because, uh, again, just that camaraderie you're talking about, Dingus. I just remember that being such a a, a lot of what made Too Fast, Too Furious. And hot rottery. <laughs> ah, very good, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, what, R- is, R- what is Paul Walker's name in Running Scared? Uh, Brian <laughs> Anklum. No. Come on, it's something that runs, and it's scared when something it runs. Something that runs. Yep. Uh, that would be a politician? Senator. Uh, another kind of mammal. Yep. A it's cheetah. Another, uh, runs from cheetahs. Bats. Rabbits. I would love to see che- chasing bats, but Rat. not the... the uh... Weasel. Stoat. <laughs> His name is Joey Gazelle. Joey Gazelle. Awesome. Wait, Joey. Okay. Let's see. That's Tell me a metaphor. Hmm. <laughs> like a hobbit. All right, so that's this week's 3x3. Three three. Uh, why don't, uh, let's see, Dingus, what do you have for us for next week's 3x3? Three three? Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not going to be nearly as fun as this one. I apologize to the two of you. Breathing. Um, but Josh Brolin made me think of it. Um so one of the things I, I liked about the last Josh Brolin movie we saw, um, actually what made me watch it was, you know, Josh Brolin was in the Spike Lee version of Old Boy. Um, and in the, the original of that, there's this really cool uh, moment in the beginning of it where you see this evocative shot of an umbrella. It's kind of weird and it's just a, it's just, subtle. And then in the Spike Lee version of Old Boy, it's obvious and clunky and like, hi, we're going to put hash marks on an umbrella, and here's an umbrella, 
and you can suck it. Uh, so this is really obscure, and good luck. It's going to be a little bit weird, but your favorite uses of umbrellas in movies. Jesus, Dingus. That's right. Suck, suck it. Do Umbrella. ones in drinks count? <laughs> they do now. Hmm. Umbrella. Are you lumping parasols under the yeah, same? Yeah, exactly. Can I can't parasols. think of the word for what I'm looking for. Uh, same. Uh, as long as as long as ricin is not involved, yes. Fives. <laughs> okay. So yes, your favorite uses of umbrellas in movies. So um, I imagine those of you listening right now, you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to mention that one particular movie because that's what I'm thinking of too. Send it in to. <laughs> By three at quarter to three dot com. The number three, the letter X, the number three at spell out quarter to three dot com. We would love to read your favorite umbrellas on the air. <laughs> um, it doesn't rain in Waterworld, does it? Is that it, o- it only rains in Waterworld. Right, it's all rain. See, Kelly Wand. Mm. Uh, in Waterworld, you would never need like m- mud boots, like galoshes. Galoshes, rubbers. Yeah, you would not need those. Hmm. Uh, so send us your favorite umbrellas next week. See uh, Twelve Years a Slave, which we'll oh, seen for the podcast. Jesus, uh, jo- why are you saying that, Kelly? Why are you saying it that way? <laughs> what are we not seeing in, in favor of We're not seeing uh, Mrs. Bank or the Mr. Saving, saving, Mr. Saving, Banks? saving Mr. Banks, which or is really Anchorman why I chose two. umbrellas. Yeah, or the what? What was Tom's? Anchorman Two? Would you rather see Anchorman Two? No, not really. And you're not up on your Will Ferrell movies, Kelly Wand. Twelve Years a Slave. Kelly Wand, stay classy. Okay. Uh, so join us for uh, Umbrellas and Movies uh, we'll do a 12 Years a Slave podcast we hope you will uh, be here then my name is Tom Chick I've been here with Christian Molzransky it's Christian Moroski and Kelly Wand 12 Years is kind of a spoiler isn't it <laughs> uh, not a dragon but La 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 la. They've all lost it. <laughs> Dinosaurs would hate that music. Fucking make him nuts. That was probably the problem. What do you think, Dingus? Will Kelly bring us luck? Hmm. I think we know the answer to that. <laughs>